0: Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML. The Cars, who uh, I believe were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame last year. Uh, Lead singer Rick O'Kasic has been found dead in New York City. He was 75 years of age. To talk more about all of this, David Bright is with us, professor for Niagara College's History of Rock and Roll class, and is with us now. David, thanks for the time. Much appreciated.
1: You're welcome, Scott.
0: Uh it's you know as as I get older and um you know the old original and you know we're really not talking about old original rock and rollers here this is like you know maybe 70s 80s mm-hmm. uh you know more and more we're talking about them because we're reading their obituary what is the significance of Rick Ocasek in the Cars where do they fit into pop music
1: that's sort of the um, I think they're the missing link between uh the, the punk of the uh, mid to well, not the mid-70s, I guess, and um, the video-age sort of pop music of the 1980s. They they, they bridged from you know, the late 70s into the early 80s, and uh, I always sort of put them together with bands like, say, Cheap Trick and maybe maybe less fairly the Knack, but uh, they had the perfect pop sensibility, but there was a, an edge to them, especially with um, OK Six lyrics now and again. There's a darkness, which... You know, the hum-along songs sometimes hit, I think. Um, I just think they were a perfect sort of power pop band for the time. And um,
0: and music very like much going through a transition at that point. Um, as you said, late 70s, uh, there was the punk movement, which sort of rebelled the disco era uh, kind of, uh, uh, of of styling and music and such. And, and New Wave sort of bridged the gap between mm. punk and mainstream, didn't it?
1: Yeah, I, I think, you know, in hindsight, and it's now, what, 40 years now, I mean, after the, the Sex Pistols had gone and the Ramones had failed to you know, be a chart success and the Clash were doing their thing, there was this gap. And it was almost as if the bands that were coming through then were free to experiment and you know, take anything from the past that they wanted. Um, you know, the equivalents in England at the time would have been someone like, say, Elvis Costello and Joe Jackson, yeah. wow. uh, which once limited by the rules. I mean, they, they started off with two-and-a-half-minute punchy songs, but mm. very quickly... they Almost, a, f-
0: almost a flashback out. to the old days of rock and roll. There was a lot of... I mean, I was
1: reading some of the um, quick uh, earlier obits today on Rico Kaysak, and the link was always with Buddy Holly even, just, you know, the, hmm. his ear for a good tune and his ability just to capture um, sort of teenage angst, even though... When they um, broke through, he was in his—I think he was in into his thirties, maybe. Yeah, he was
0: uh, a little older than uh, the band was a little older than the than their peers of the time, weren't they?
1: Yeah, um, it, it's strange because you didn't get—I don't remember it being that way. But looking no. back now, I mean, they were ten, fifteen years older than a lot of their fans, and and um, but just like Chuck Berry managed to capture the essence of teenagehood in the 1950s, even though he was in his thirties, I think the Cars. Um, again, someone like Jonathan Richmond, I uh, put Richmond, I put up there with with them as well. That they just had a, a an ear for what American kids were going through in the late 70s.
0: Why did this band work? I remember being young and listening to the first two albums, the first yep. one especially. I, I, even today, it still resonates with me. Um, yet I remember seeing this band live and thinking this, and I was a huge fan at the time, and thinking this is one of the most boring bands live I have yep. ever seen. Yet, yet, yet on, on the radio and everywhere else, man, they were like cutting edge. Yep. Um, uh,
1: they they learned their craft. I think number one thing that Ben Orr and uh, Rick Kasek you know, had been together for half a dozen years or so before the cars got going, and they'd learned their songwriting craft the hard way. Um, I think they Rick pulled bits and pieces from sixties pop, from fifties rock and roll. There's a bit of rockabilly in there. There's certainly elements of you know, bands like Boston from the earlier seventies. So mm-hmm. I think he used his influences very well, and. Especially the first two albums, but that song, um, just what I needed. You hear that guitar riff, and it's not difficult, but it's as catchy as hell. And it just—they um, just had a really good ear for sound. But like, but as you say, um, I was also watching some of the live footage on YouTube today. You would not want to go and see this band play live. Yeah. Um, <laughs> stick to the records.
0: Yeah. No, I'm very, i I remember that. I remember seeing them at CNE Stadium <laughs> in Toronto, and a massive fan. And, yeah. and just thinking, my goodness, this is... And, and But, you know, that was Rick Ocasek. He was a very stoic guy. He just kind of yeah. stood there and, and did what he had to do. Um,
1: well, I think no, the, the sunglasses thing was a, was also a sign of that. He didn't like, you know, to have people staring at him.
0: Yeah, like he wasn't what we would have considered a front man for a band. Like he wasn't like a David Lee Roth, that's for, for sure.
1: No, not at all. Um, I was reading a quote from him today that you know, he said the idea was that bass player, Ben Orr, would be the lead singer, and Rick would be the handsome one by the side, but that
0: quickly wasn't the case. Why do you think the music still resonates? Just because anything that was popular way back when is going to resonate 20 years, 40 years later? I mean, mean, you know, could we say the same thing? Say, for example, Drake, 20, 30 years now, it'll still be resonating. i um, I noticed you giggled then, but you know no, I, I i got through it not. i <laughs> got through it as a middle aged man without giggling, but yeah. no i mean is that is it does you just inherit this kind of success if you have that success early on
1: i don't know it's it's I ask the classes sometimes it's not it's not the best stuff always that gets remembered boy isn't that later. true um but I think with the cars i think i think at the time um Certainly I was sort of dismissing them as a lightweight pop band with some good tunes, but um, they had a good half a dozen hits which have stood the test of time, which um, I think a good song is a good song, basically. And I think they were lucky in that. um, I think the first album was really well produced. I think they had the guy from Queen came in to do it. Yeah, yeah. And so unlike some of the other new wave um, albums or bands from that time, the late 70s, just the sound and the quality of the first couple of albums has stood up over
0: time. And they were one of those bands that you always recognized them. They had a very distinct sound.
1: Yeah, that's again, which is why I put them, I think, with Cheap Trick. You, you don't need to hear too many bars of music to realize which band it is. and um, Which, is not, which again, this is not an easy thing to do when basically you're using the same bass guitar, drums, keyboards, set up as every other band at the time.
0: Uh, how will we view today's music 20, 30, 40 years from now? You know, you talked about the basic drums, uh, bass, electric guitar, yeah. maybe some keyboards. That's all changed.
1: Um, I, I think about 15 years ago, uh, things changed dramatically. And... Um, It's kind of tough to explain, but I got a sense that in the 50s and 60s and 70s and 80s, people were living at a time, and they knew there was old music, and so they'd have to go back and sort of rediscover it, but they knew um, their music as they were growing up, say from 75 to 80, and there was a sense of development even as the music was happening. I think now, um, because you can stream every single piece of music ever created Without having a sense, maybe of the chronological development of that mm. music, you know that you're listening to uh, Drake on the one minute, you're listening to um, Miles Davis the next, and your brain doesn't realize that maybe there's forty years between the two of them. Um, so, so, so in other words, we about, hear th- it's going
0: to be sorry. We hear the music, we don't necessarily know of its inception or its history.
1: Yeah, it's, it's like a smorgasbord. You know, yeah, <laughs> everything's yeah. everywhere. And it's all of it grabs at the same time, um, again, it, with the class, we, we, we do this thing where we look at the 60s, say, and if you listen, um, pick an obvious thing, you pick the Beatles from 1963, then the Beatles from 1969. Mm-hmm. It, it's night and day, but it's the same people in just six years. Um, today, you're lucky if a band produces two albums in six years, and yeah. you don't get the sense that they lived through an awful lot of change.
0: It's uh, it's fascinating. I'm a guy in my 50s. I remember being a young kid and being fascinated with the early days of rock and roll and rhythm and blues. I was listening to that Rather than yep. the songs of the day in the seventies, uh, and and it, and it was we had very very uh, very very limited library to choose from. A lot of them, the stuff you couldn't get. A lot of the stuff was poor quality. Now you can get yep. stuff from way back when that sounds like it was literally recorded yesterday. As a result, my kids listen to everything now whether that's because there's music playing in the house all the time anyway and you know they hear their parents collections what have you but it's amazing the knowledge and 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 uh and the breadth of 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 music they have to consume will it still be like that 20 30 40 years ago or from now will their kids be sampling all of that the same
1: um, this depends on the way the Internet goes, I think. At the moment, we're yeah, living it's technology. in an age where you have unlimited access at virtually no cost to yourself. Yeah. Um, uh, we finished the course with the discussion of the impact of the Internet, and the model that worked for 50 years, where you know the, the artists produced the songs, the ind- industry sold the songs, and the audience bought the songs, that's the model that broke down about 15 years ago. And... You're hearing stories now of even mainstream artists, us, you know, that they're having hit singles and being streamed, you know, fifty thousand times, and then they get a check for seven dollars. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Iggy Pop apparently now can't make money playing music, so he's become a pitch man for an insurance company or something. Mm. And it, I, th- I think, and there's no sign that the industry has really come up with a an answer to this. So thirty years down the road. Um, <laughs> Uh, It's tough to say. I I think either things will be sorted out or they'll be just, you know, artificial intelligence producing on a regular basis, and
0: that'll be bad. David Bright has been with us, professor for Niagara College's History of Rock and Roll class. Uh, The Cars lead singer, Rick Ocasek, passing away over the weekend in New York City at age 75. David, thanks for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Thanks for talking to me, Scott. Scott Thompson show weekdays from noon to three on 900 CHML.